This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. We're blessed. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, man, I know that God's got some good things in store for us tonight. Tell you what, there's no place in this world that I would rather be than High Desert Word Center on a Sunday or what is this Wednesday night? I don't know what day it is. The heat's getting to my head, but praise the Lord. All right. On a Wednesday night in July. Hallelujah. Well, tonight the title is this. Are you guided by faith or by fear? By faith or by fear? Now, listen, sometimes we need a little motivation, right, to to make decisions. Sometimes we need a little push in the behind to get us to kind of go somewhere in life. But I found this much. Sometimes we're motivated by faith and we'll go out and we'll take that step and we'll do something that God's called us to. Or or maybe we'll refrain from something because by faith we know that God's got something better. But a lot of times what I've seen amongst Christians and what I've experienced And no doubt what you've seen and experienced at different times is that we sometimes are guided by fear. We won't do something that God told us to because we're just flat out too afraid. We won't do something we've always dreamed of doing because we're just flat out too afraid. We won't do something that needs done because we're just flat out too afraid. And I know this much that fear is a terrible guide in our lives when it comes to doing the things that God wants us to do. Because faith always tells us, listen, if God said that we need to do it, then I don't even have to know how. I just know I got to go do it. Right. Because sometimes they're like, well, I'll do that for you, God. When I see each step, when I if I could just see what's out there before I take that step of faith, then I'll do it for you. Well, that wouldn't be faith then, because. We walk by faith, not by sight. And we know that faith is believing without seeing. And some people are like, "I, Lord, I'll do anything for you. As long as, you know, the money's there, then then I'm your man. Lord, I'll do anything for you. As long as this is there and that's there. And I've got at least a dozen people on board with me. And if I can get a few people to just back me, then I am your man, your faith man. That's not a faith man. A faith man says, I'll do it whether anybody goes with me or not. A faith man says, I'll do it whether I see a penny. I'll do it no matter what. I'll do what you say. Because faith pleases God. Hebrews 11.6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so my question to you tonight is this. Are you being guided by faith or are you being guided by fear in the decisions you make? Who remembers this TV show a few years back called Fear Factor? That was weird. Yeah, Katie and I used to, we used to watch that and, uh, I mean, just people do dumb things and, and I just, I mean, people will do stupid things when there's money on the line, right? And you see people eating bugs and, and, and just swimming with snakes and all this stuff. There's not a dollar amount that exists in this world to get me to go into a snake tank. There's, there's no, no, no money in the world can make, I, I'll just, hey, I'll go to heaven right now. Don't tempt me. I will go to heaven right now. But, you know, people will do crazy things. And the, the, the thing is, though, is if people could overcome their fear, then, I mean, there was a great reward in it for them, right? But some people, they would say they could do anything. They'd say they're in it till the end. But eventually there was something they would say, I'm not even willing to try that. I'm too afraid, right? Because fear was the deciding factor for them. And so tonight we're going to look at the difference between faith and fear. And we're going to kind of break it down just a little bit and look at some biblical examples and one of my favorite Bible stories. And so the first thing we're going to look at tonight is this. Number one, we're going to look at what happens when fear 
is guiding you. Let's let's take a look at what happens when fear is your guide. Well, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to back down. You're going to come up to a challenge and you're going to back down from it because fear tells you you can't do it. Fear tells you, well, no, you better not. You know, the last guy that tried that fear is going to say there's no way you could possibly do it. Maybe somebody else could. Yeah, with God, all things are possible. But we're talking about you. It'd be possible for Virginia there, but you couldn't do it. Listen, that's fear speaking to you if it's something that God's telling you to do. So let's look at a story here in Judges chapter six. Judges chapter six. Yes, we're going to look at the story of my man, Gideon, the story of the man Gideon. This man has put more Bibles in motel rooms than anybody in history. Hallelujah. Thank God for Gideon, right? Amen. Well, not him personally, but a guy he knows. So Judges, right after the book of Joshua, Joshua judges Ruth, which that's not very fair to judge Ruth. But anyway, Judges chapter six. And we're going to look here at verses 12 through 15. Judges chapter six, verses 12 through 15. And so here we are at a a moment in time here where uh, Israel has been overtaken by this nation called Midian. So the Midianites had overtaken Israel and they were bad people, man. These weren't good people at all. They were bullying them. They they stole from them. They they I mean, they they had taken over. They were overruling them. And so the Israelites, they were all living in fear and terror because they were being terrorized by the Midianites. And so one day the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. Let's look at this story here. Judges chapter six, verse 12. It says the angel of the Lord appeared to him talking about Gideon and said, mighty hero. Or the King James says, you mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. So he's like, "Okay, look at this, sir. Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Like, whoa, man, geez, you're going to blame. Listen, I mean, that's a pretty that's that's not what you'd expect. The, the angel of the Lord appears and he's like, great, the Lord is with me. I'll, if, if he's really with me, then why does all this bad stuff keep happening? And sometimes we ask that question. Sometimes you, sometimes all of us have said, OK, if the Lord is really with us, then why would that happen? Well, let's keep going here. Let's keep going. Verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Now, that's a pretty big order right there. God says, you go, you, Gideon, go and rescue Israel. You're the chosen one. I'm sending you to go rescue the entire nation. How would you like it? If us as the United States have been taken captive by some other hostile nation and the Lord appears to you and says, you're responsible for rescuing the entire nation. It's all on your shoulders. Go. I'm giving you the strength. Go. Go away. I mean, what would you do? You, what, would you feel any pressure at all? What, what would you think about that? Especially if you had no training, if you didn't come from a rich family, you didn't come from you didn't come from anything at all. And God says, you're the one that's responsible for rescuing the entire nation. 
That's a lot to deal with right there. Especially if you've seen people being tortured, your, your, you know, kids being taken from the, I mean, it was a bad, bad situation. And God comes to this one man and says, I'm sending you. You're the one we chose. Well, look what he says here. Verse 15. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. So basically, we're talking about game shows. He says, I'm the biggest loser. Basically, out of everybody in Israel, my family, because there's 12 tribes, right? So he's like, my family is the worst. We're we're the the poorest, the, the, the weakest. We're the worst family in the entire tribe of Manasseh. And worse than that, I'm the worst one in my entire family. I'm the weakest. I'm the poorest. I'm the brokest. I'm basically the worst person you could have picked for this job. There's nobody lower in all of Israel than me. And you're telling me to go rescue Israel. I can't do it. And so do you think he was being motivated and guided by faith or by fear? The Lord himself shows up and says, you can do it. I picked you. And if fear has got such a stronghold on your life, even if the Lord appears to you, even if God sends an angel, that's still not enough for you. If you're really a person that's controlled by fear, you'll say, I know it's the word of the Lord. I get that, but I can't do it. I'm the worst there is. You got to, You got to pick somebody else. Think about that, man. That's fear right there, absolutely tormenting and controlling somebody. And so when fear rules you, absolutely, you'll back down. He was looking at his own weakness and he had more confidence in his weakness than he had in God's strength. Think about that, because we know that fear is a form of faith. It's a perverted form. It's a misguided form, but fear is a belief in the unseen. Gideon didn't know that that if he was going to go out to war, if he was going to get destroyed, he was assuming that he would, but he had never, he hadn't seen it yet. He didn't know. He had a perverted sense of faith called fear. And some of you have that tonight. You're terrified of things that have never even happened to you. You're terrified of what could possibly happen. What if maybe this could happen? Theoretically, this is a possibility that this could happen, that a meteorite could come down and hit my house. It's possible. Really? I mean, I know people that, that, that they stay awake at night tossing and turning over the most stupid fears, the what ifs, and it's things they've never seen before, but they've got a lot of confidence in it. What is that? That's perverted faith. And that's twisted. It's demented. And it'll absolutely strangle your life if you're going to put your confidence in that. And so I know this much. Fear is a terrible way to make your decisions. Terrible way. I am not going to make my decisions based off of fear. I'm going to make them off of faith. And and maybe there's some times that the Lord tells me, no, stay away from that. That's fine. That's not fear motivating me. That's me listening to the Lord. But there's no way in this world I'm not going to do something because the devil says, you can't do that. You couldn't have that. You don't deserve that. You couldn't do. Do you know who you are? Do you know where you came from? Do you? I'm not going to let the devil tell me that stuff, man. I'm not going to let that happen. That is not going to be the deciding factor for anything that I do in this life, because you'll miss out on a lot in this life. A lot of blessings 
that the Lord has for you if fear is calling the shots for you. So fear holds you back, but faith pushes you forward. It pushes you out of the boat, Peter. It, it, it tells you, go out, try it. Go ahead, do it. Faith will push you forward out of the boat to walk on the water. Fear will say, no, I don't think so. And we know that story. We know that Peter got out of the boat and took a few steps on that water towards Jesus. Yeah, he did eventually sink when he started looking at the wind and the waves. He did eventually fall through. But while his eyes were on Jesus, he was walking on water. We know this much. And so it's easy to look at him and say, huh, you started you started to doubt and you fell through the water. Well, how many of us can say that we've actually even taken one step on water? None of us. There were 11 other guys that night that were dry as a bone. They didn't get wet at all, but they also didn't take one single step on the water. They stood there and sat in that boat and didn't do anything at all except sit there. And so I've heard it said this way. I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat sitter. I'd rather at least have I'd, I would rather have at least taken a few steps on the water with Jesus than have sat in the boat and not experienced anything at all. And so the challenge is this. What is guiding you? What's calling the shots in your life? Is it fear or is it faith? I remember this, one of the scariest things I've ever had to face is high school speech class. Anyone else? Three of you? Okay, okay. for me it was an issue. And I mean, I don't know why, because I have zero fear of speaking in front of people now. It's, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm more comfortable doing this than talking to you one-on-one. I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. But in high school speech class, man, I, they, I had to get up there and give that, that speech on the opening day. I mean, I was like about to pass out. I was terrified of, of, of speaking in front of these guys. And, and I, and I mean, and I tried everything I could. Like, man, maybe I could take another, maybe I could go do this. Is there any way out of this? But there was no way out of it. I had to do it. And in the end, I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I didn't pansy my way out of it and quit and, you know, go on somewhere else. I'm glad that I had to do it. But listen, Fear was trying to hold me back in a big, big way. And I bet for some of you in here, there's something that fear caused you to quit and now you regret it. There's probably something that you gave up on, something you quit, something you walked away from because of fear. It wasn't faith at all. No way it was faith. Fear talked you out of something that God had for you. And now maybe, you know, you're in a new phase of life or whatever. But but listen, fear talked you out of something that God had for you. That's not the way it should be. Fear shouldn't be talking you out of anything. You're a child of God. And so another thing I want to say about what happens when fear is guiding you, the first thing is you back down. But the second thing is you become selfish. Thank you for your holy silence. When fear is guiding you, you become a selfish person because Fear in and of itself, a lot of times, is selfish. Think about this. I'm not going to turn to these stories tonight. But remember the story of Jonah? It's found in the book of Jonah. Okay, you go over there to the book of Jonah, and God tells Jonah, you have got to go and talk to this city of Nineveh, because I'm I'm fixing to destroy them, man. They are evil. They are wicked. And I can't take it any longer. You go warn them, and at least give them a chance. And so Jonah's like, all right, I'll go. But then what's he do? He starts thinking about these people, man. They're, they're mean. Dude, the people of Nineveh, they're terrible people. And so he becomes afraid. And what does he do? He runs the opposite direction. Does that sound like a heroic thing to do? 
God tells you to go do something and you run the opposite way because you're afraid for your own safety and, and yourself and, and what people are going to think and they're going to call me crazy. He ran the other way. That's what I call selfish. God said, there's, there's a multitude of lives on the line here if you don't step up and say something. And he wasn't willing to do it because he cared more about himself than however many people. It said it was a big city, maybe a million people, I don't know. But there was a lot of people there. I think it's selfish if God says, they're going to die. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm fixing to destroy this city if somebody doesn't intervene and you're not willing to do it. That's what I call selfish. That's not right. Think about when God first came to Moses. He says, listen, you go to Pharaoh and you say that I sent you, I am sent you, and tell him to let my people go. And Moses, his first reaction wasn't like, I got you. I'm go- on my way. Yes, sir. I'm a-. No. He was like, I, I can't go. I stutter. I'm awful at speaking. And Moses, he, it's documented he had a stuttering problem, yes. And so he says, I'm not going. I'm going to look like a fool. Find someone else. I'm not. And he, at first, he's refusing to go. Why? Because he cared more about himself. He cared more about his own, the way he looked. He cared more about how he felt than about rescuing millions of people from slavery. What, what is that? That's selfishness that came about by fear. You see the point. So God comes to Gideon and says, you've got to rescue all these people. I have chosen you. He says, nope, I'm the worst. I'm the weakest. I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest loser. Nope, not going to do it. What do you call that when God tells you to do something and you say, no, I care more about how I feel right now than about saving. All-. That's called selfishness. Now, I just want you to examine your life tonight. Is there something that God has called you to do? Something that God has asked you to do, maybe serve in a ministry here at church. Maybe he's asked you to give to somebody or something somewhere outside of the church. Maybe God's asked you to do something somewhere. But you said you're too afraid. You said, no, I can't do that, man. I, I, I lack the training. I lack the know-how. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't got enough money. I don't got enough. And you come up with all these excuses. I mean, in my book, I call that selfishness. I, you know, you may say, well, that's not very nice. You know, here you are. You know, I've got self-esteem issues and here you are. Listen, that's selfish. God told you to go do something to help somebody out. And you said no, because you cared more about yourself. You cared more about what you look like, what you don't have than what God told you to do. Selfish. We've all done it, right? I mean, I've done it. God's told me to do things that I haven't done because I thought I'd look foolish. I thought that I would, uh, I don't know, I wasn't smart enough, good enough or whatever. But in the end, if you'll disobey God and obey your fear rather than God, that's what I call selfish. So let's get back to Gideon here, all right? So God, God tells Gideon, he finally convinces Gideon to go fight this battle. And the odds are already stacked against him because there's 135,000 soldiers in the Midianite army. One, three, five, comma, zero, zero, zero. 135,000. And Gideon, uh, he's going to lead an army of 32,000. Now, that's a, quite a bit of guys, but you're still vastly outnumbered. They've got, what's that, nearly four times more men than you. He's already outnumbered. But God comes up to Gideon and says, listen, I want you to do this battle. I really do. But you've got too many guys on your side. And he's like, what? They've got 135. I've got 30. I've got too many guys. And God's like, yeah, 
Because if you go and win this battle with 32,000 men on your side, you're going to think it's because how strong you were. You're going to think it's because you really are all that. So I need you to, to you need to thin out the ranks a little bit and I'll, and I'll get you with the right number of guys. So Judges chapter 7 verse 3, look at this. Judges 7 verse 3. And so here's what the Lord tells Gideon to do to kind of clear out the ranks a little bit. He says, therefore, Gideon, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. I honestly don't think Gideon saw that coming. I really don't think that he saw 22,000 grown men that were in the army getting him saying, I'm too afraid. Absolutely, I'm too afraid. I'm out of here. I don't think he saw that coming. He probably figured, well, at least there's enough of them to have enough testosterone, enough of a male ego to kick in and say, I'm not afraid, even if they're faking it. But here we are. He was already outnumbered. And now it's 135,000 to 22,000. Now, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a mathematician. That was my worst subject in school. But I know that's not a good ratio to be down 135,000 to 22,000. That That's not stacked in your favor at all. But God, he was doing something here. And sometimes you're like, well, what's going on here? Listen, you've got to get... I like having an absolute victory in my life where there's no doubt about it. God caused it to happen. You know what I mean? And sometimes you're like, well, there's no way I could do that. Duh. God is going to call. He's going to call you in your life to do things that you can't do. I mean, is, is that mind blowing? Is that some kind of that shouldn't be a revelation. But listen to me. God's going to call you in your life. He's going to ask you to do things that you can't do on your own. Because if you could do it, then it wouldn't take any faith at all, right? I mean, you know, it's my life's calling is to give away $5. And I believe, that, yeah, I, I can handle that. I'm going to give away $5. I've got $5 right now. That's not really that big of a step of a faith. You know what I mean? Now, maybe if you didn't have any money, that'd be a big stretch. But listen, that's really not a big calling of faith to David Samples. Maybe, you know, I don't know everybody's situation, but that's really not pushing me that far and stretching my faith that far to do something like that. I could do it right now and it really wouldn't take a whole lot of faith. Now, if God came in and said, I need you to give away $5,000, that would stretch my faith a little bit. Okay. Now, maybe for some of you, it wouldn't, but maybe for some of us, that would be a huge stretch. That would be a step of faith right there because I don't have that. And God knows that, but he's not calling me to do things that I can just do in my own strength. Do you get the point here? And so, yeah, if something's on your heart that's probably a lot bigger than you and your capabilities, that's probably from God. It's probably from God because he's going to ask you to do things that you are going to have to rely on him for because when you're on top of the mountain, when you've conquered it, when you've completed the mission, you're going to say, there's no way that I did that. That was God Almighty. And people are going to come and say, how did you do that? You're going to say, I, it wasn't me. That was God. And you're going to give God the glory and he's going to get glory in your life. If you will walk by faith and not by fear, and you'll step out and do the things that are bigger than what you are. Amen. So what's the next thing that happens when you are led by fear? Thirdly. You fail. You get an F on your test. Fear leads to failure. And you know, you ever see those cheesy quotes that people put on their office walls? Okay. 
Well, they're on there, and I make fun of them because I think it's cheesy. But uh, one of them, and it's a good quote, but it's still, I've seen it on too many office walls, is you miss 100% of the shots you never take. And that's true. It's cheesy, but it's true. You miss 100% of the shots that you never take. And some people are like, yeah, I never did. I never did succeed in that area. Well, you never even tried. No wonder. No wonder. you. Well, I never did make it into management. Did you ever apply? Did you ever tell them that you were interested in management? Well, I never owned my own company. Did you ever try? Of course you didn't. You didn't even try. So how, of course you never owned your own company. Of course you never made it to management. Of course you never, you didn't even swing. Of course you didn't get a hit. Of course you didn't make any shots. You didn't take any. Why? Because you were too afraid. 2 Timothy 1.7, let's flip over there. 2 Timothy 1.7. We getting anything tonight? All right. I believe the Lord's speaking to you. I believe the Lord's building you up. Second Timothy 1 7. And I, most of you should know this by memory, but it's OK if you don't. We're not judging you. We're just telling you have it memorized by Sunday. Or we're stripping your membership papers. Am I right, Lawrence? Taking them away. Jacob's on board. Second Timothy 1 7. Who knows what it says? Well, it's on the screen. But, uh, anybody that's not ordained knows what it says. <laughs> For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, right? God, if you've got a spirit of fear, I don't know where it came from, but it wasn't God. He didn't give it to you. I mean, we know it came from the devil, but listen, God, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he did give you something. He gave you a spirit of power, gave you a spirit of love. Give you a spirit of a sound mind, and that can also be translated self-control. And so listen, God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so you need to, I mean, maybe you've heard that a thousand times, but you need to get that in your heart. For real. That verse needs to take root in your heart. God has not given me the spirit of fear. I'm not afraid of anything in the name of Jesus because God hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but he has given me the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I can do anything, man, that God's called me to do. I can do anything that the Lord's called me to do. Anything he's telling me to do, I can do it because he's given me that spirit of power. Well, I, yeah, but I really hate this guy. Well, he's given me a, fortunately, he's given you a spirit of love. That's another topic. We're not going to go there tonight. But he's also given you a sound mind and if you're crazy that's good news because it's nice to have a sound mind am i right where are my crazy people no okay all right well <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding okay number two let's get to this number two and due to the heat i have two points tonight not three how's that sound people number two this is what happens when faith guides you this is what happens when faith guides you well, the first thing is this. Number one, you're going to step up to challenges. Come on. You're going to step up to challenges. I like someone that'll step up to a challenge. And that's the Bible's full of guys that that stepped up to challenges when it looked impossible. Think about David. Right. There's this there's this giant Goliath and everybody's afraid of him. He's like, I'll take him. I got this. Let me. I got it. I'll do it. Why? Because he had faith. And when you're a person of faith, you'll see a challenge. You're not going to run the other way. You're like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I got this. I'll do it. God's on my side. I got this. 
But fearful people, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not even going to, I couldn't even imagine trying to do that. You ever heard somebody say that? I can't even imagine trying that, or I wouldn't try that in a billion years, or there's no way I could do that. Well, okay, we kind of know where you stand now in the faith and fear realm, right? But when there's somebody that has faith in God, we're not talking about faith in you, okay? We're talking about faith in God. When you see a challenge, when you see something going on, when you see the devil messing with somebody, you don't look the other way. You're like, hey, I'll, I'll go pray for that guy. Try me. I'll, I'll go sow into that project. I'll go help those people out. Say I won't. I'll go do it right now. Dare me. I'll go do it right now. Why? Because faith causes you to step up to challenges. So let's go back to Gideon, okay? We're, we go, go back here to Gideon. So uh, back here to Judges chapter 7. But so, so God tells Gideon, right? He's got these 10,000 guys left. And God says, okay, there's still too many guys here. This isn't going to work for me. I need, I need you to get rid of some of the... And he's like, what? 135,000 to 10,000 and I still have too many? And God's saying, listen, we've got to prove that this is, this is me that's delivered you guys, okay? This, there's no way anybody can possibly say that it's because of your own strength. And so here they are. God says, you got too many. And so he tells Gideon, I want you to divide the men into two groups. And so he takes them down to the stream. Back in the woods of Indiana, we call it the creek. So he takes them down to the creek, and he's like, well, everybody's going to get a drink. We're going to get a drink right here. And God says, here's how you're going to divide the men. Separate those who drink directly from the stream, mouth to the water, and those who cup their hands and drink the water that way. And so as he's observing, 300 out of 10,000 cup the water and bring it to their mouth this way. And God says, there's your men. Get rid of the other, what is that, 9,700. Tell them to go home. We don't need them. And can, can you just imagine right there? I mean, what would you think? Now it's 135,000 to 300. That's pretty bad odds if you're going by the natural here. But if you're a faith person, there's no way you can lose this. This is exactly what you want. Why? Because it's what God said. And so if you're looking at this through the natural, if you're looking at this through the eyes of fear, you're like, we're doomed. Why even show up, man? Let's just go now. But if you're a person of faith, you're like, yeah, oh, man, this is better than I thought. Wow. <laughs> this is going to be the biggest testimony of all time. 300 versus 135,000. This is fantastic. This is what I want. Because that's what faith says. And some of you, man, you're right now, you're, you're, you've got the odds stacked against you. You, I mean, you're surrounded and you don't be, don't be afraid. You should say, oh man, this is going to be sweet when I defeat this enemy. Woo! Man, the testimony I'm going to have. When I, I'm going to get up there on Sunday night, I'm going to take the mic and I'm going to testify and it's going to set people free when I overcome this situation. That's what faith says. And so here's Gideon. He's got, he's down to these guys here. And so here we have the guy that was the self-proclaimed biggest loser in the entire country leading his 300 mighty men against a trained army of 135,000. Judges chapter 7, starting at verse 16. Judges 7, verse 16. And so he divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Wow. I was getting excited, but now this story just took a strange turn. Okay. Here's your weapons, guys. Take this uh, ram horn right here and this jar, okay? Just take, take, here's your weapons, go. Like, what is that, man? 
I thought I was getting a bazooka or a flamethrower or something like, what is this? I'm going into battle. I'm already outnumbered. And now my weapon is a horn and a jar, like a potpourri jar or something like, what is this? But listen, aren't you glad that God's ways are higher than your ways? You're not? Okay, I personally, I'll speak, I can't speak for you, I can speak for me. I'm glad that God's ways are higher than my ways. I'm glad that his thoughts are not my thoughts. I'm glad that he said, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts higher than my thoughts. Amen? And so God said, listen, you don't even, all you need is this. Take this jar and take this ram's horn, and you're getting ready to see a butt kick in like this world has never seen before. You're going to lay the smack down on some Midianites. Amen? And so here we go. So they're getting ready to go into battle. And then verse 17, then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. And when I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, all around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So that's their game plan. They're going to surround the enemy camp. And at just the right moment, they're going to blow the horn. They're going to crack the jars and they're going to shout for the Lord and for Gideon. And so what are we looking at here? We're looking at people of faith because there's no way anybody in their right mind would go do something like this. But thank God that faith people aren't living out of their mind. They're living out of their heart. They're living out of what God says to them. And I I can tell you, man, I'm glad that my parents were faith people when I had that sickness. I'm glad that a lot of you, man, the things that you faced in life, I'm glad that you weren't operating out of your mind. I'm really glad that you bypassed the mind and went to the heart. And that's why you're still alive today, because your mind would have killed you if you had relied on it. But your heart, because it's born again, because the spirit of God lives in there, it guided you in the right direction. And so we're going to finish this story, but, 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 but let's look at this. What happens when faith is guiding you? Number one, you step up to challenges. The second thing is you care about other people. You care for others. So fear makes you selfish. Faith makes you selfless. Now think about this. Jesus himself faced fear. We know that much. No, I mean, that's undebatable. Jesus faced fear because we're going to look at that in Luke chapter 22, but he was not ruled by fear. He was ruled by faith. And that's why when he was faced with even death, he wouldn't back down. So let's look at this. Luke chapter 22. Hold your place in Judges 7 because we will be back to see the exciting ending of the story of Gideon and how he went to put all those Bibles in the motel rooms. But here we go. Luke chapter 22. And we're going to look at verse 42. And this is Jesus praying before he goes to the cross. We know he's in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. And Jesus is, he's pouring his heart out to the Lord right there. And I, we've talked about this so many times, but, but we all think, oh, it was easy, man. He's the son of God. He knew, he knew he was going to, there was nothing easy about that, man. There was nothing easy about facing the cross. He knew what was going to happen. But Luke 22, verse 42, Jesus praying says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And so right there, Jesus, he's facing fear at that moment. He says, God, if you're willing, can we can I save the world some other way without having to get massacred? If there's some other way to do this, can we do that? But then he says, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. In other words, 
what a lot of us should be praying. Let's do it your way, not my way. Wouldn't it be great if we all prayed that way and said, God, let's not do it my way. Let's do it your way. Let's do it your way. Because a lot of us are like, God, man, here's what I want to happen. And I've already got the plan to make it happen. I just need you to go ahead and bless my plan right now. Bless my plan. Instead of saying, Lord, just show me the way that you're blessing. Show me to, to show me the way that you want me to take. But usually we're like, here's my goal, Lord. My goal is right here, point B. And here's the steps. I've already got it all planned out. I just need you to come and whoop, bless it. Because we think God has some sort of magic wand. Like he can just wave pixie dust over your little plan and make it all happen all at once. That's not how it works. We need to start seeking God a little bit more on some of our decisions. Amen. And so Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will be done, not but yours. And verse 44, we've shared this so many times. Verse 44, Jesus keeps praying. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And so here Jesus is. And you want to tell me that he didn't have to face fear. Jesus faced fear. He was in such a, 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 a physical wreck right here that he begins sweating blood. Yet he still goes through with it. Why is that? Because when faith guides you, the third thing I'm going to say under under this point is this. You succeed. When faith is your guide, when faith is the thing that's pushing you and driving you, you're going to succeed. Now, that doesn't mean you're always going to take the easy way, but you are going to take the God way. And sometimes the God way, you know, it may be the long way around the mountain. It may be the, you know, not the way that you had all planned out, not the way that you drew out on, on paper, but it's the best way and it's the way to success. And so chapter 24 of Luke, Luke 24. Let's look at this. We know this, man. This is the most exciting thing in the whole Bible right here. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come on, that's the most exciting. There's nothing more exciting that's ever happened in the history of this world than that Jesus Christ died intentionally, voluntarily died. But then he made a promise. He said, go ahead, tear this temple down. I'll rebuild it in three days. I'll be back. I will be back. And he was. He kept his word. Three days later, thank God he kept his word. And Jesus came back. Luke 24, verse 1 through 6. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Hallelujah. The stone was rolled away. I am so glad those women did not walk up to that tomb and the stone was still sitting there. That's that that would not have been good news, but the stone wasn't there. Verse three. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Thank God they didn't find the body of Jesus laying there. Thank God that Jesus wasn't laying there as they stood there puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. And so here we have it. Jesus didn't do it his way. He said, I'm going to do it your way, God. Not my will, but your will be done. And what happened? He succeeded. And I believe Jesus is the most successful person that's ever walked the face of this earth because he died. But he beat death and he defeated death once and for all and made it to where you and I don't have to be afraid of death. Who else has done that? Nobody's done that. Jesus did that because he did not let fear guide him, even though fear tried to fear, tried to stop him fear. 
nothing would have made the devil more happy than to have talked Jesus out of dying on the cross and raising from the dead. Do you, do you realize what that would have done to us? Do you realize where you would be right now if fear had stopped Jesus? I don't even want to think about it, man. I do not even, I can't even fathom. I don't even, I don't even want to begin to think about where I would be if Satan had used fear and Jesus said, you know what, I just, I can't, I can't. I, God, God's my father, but I can't do this. We'd be in a mess right now. A world of hurt. And uh, the future wouldn't be looking too good either. It would be bad, bad news. But thank God that Jesus walked by faith. Amen? And so, here we go. Flip back to Judges 7. Who wants to hear the exciting conclusion of the story of Gideon? Yeah! Judges chapter 7, verses 19 through 22 and here it is. Let's see how this battle plan of ram's horns and potpourri jars goes. Uh, Judges chapter 7, verse 19. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. So they're blowing the horns. They're breaking the jars. They held, uh, excuse me, verse 20. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched. They just watched. They watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth Shittah near Zerah and to the border of Abel Mahola near Tabak. And so listen, what happened here? They didn't even have to go down there. They didn't need swords. They didn't need guns. They didn't need bazookas and flamethrowers. They didn't need anything like that because God, yet again, did what he does so many times. He sends confusion into the enemy camp when we follow the plan of God. These guys didn't even have to get themselves dirty. They didn't even have to go down there and actually do any of it because God caused the enemy to take care of themselves and kill themselves off. So what if Gideon had gone in there with the 35,000 that he had at first? Then they would have been on their own. It really would have been 135,000 to 35. It really would have been that. But instead, it was 135,000 against 300 plus one. God. And so, in our lives, what is the motivating factor? If it's faith, you're going to step out and do it anyway, even if it's you and God versus everybody else. You're still going to do it, and you're going to win every time because you're doing it God's way. But if you're, if you got it in your own mind, well, okay, I mean, I know the Lord, but, but if, if I could just get this and if I could get this much money and this many people, listen, then, it, then that's fine. Then that's what you've got to take in the battle. You and all of your own little things that you've acquired, it's, it's you. You, you don't, you know, you don't, can't rely on God at that point. It's you and your stuff, your, your strength versus the enemy. Good luck. I, I really hope you win. But, uh, you're, you're, you're not relying on God. It's not faith. So you're, you really are. It's however strong you are, we'll find out. But I don't care to find out how strong I am. I don't care because I want to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because just like Paul said, hey, when I'm weak, he's strong, man. 
whenever I decide to get my own stuff out of the way, then God can show up and his grace is sufficient for me. Amen. And so the question tonight, what is guiding you? Is it fear or is it faith? Only you can answer that. But let me tell you, man, the faith life is a whole lot better than the fear life. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.